0: Locked on Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome into this Crossover Thursday Locked On Bears, Locked On Dolphins podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Lauren Cox from Locked On Bears alongside Kyle Krabs from Locked On Dolphins, getting you ready for this Bears Dolphins matchup. It is Crossover Thursday and it's presented by our friends at Prize Picks. Prize Picks is so much fun and it's easy to play. No competing with other players, just you versus the projections available. Pick two to five players and if they score more or or less than their prize picks projection, you can win up to 10 times your money on your entry. It can literally take less than 60 seconds to enter. It's that easy. We love prize picks and we know you will too. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with our promo code locked on that's PrizePicks.com promo code locked on. Kyle, as we get into this Bears-Dolphins matchup, I think the two teams coming into this one from very, very different perspectives, very different expectations, very different trajectories for this season. So for Miami, what are some of the big storylines you're looking for out of this one?
1: Yeah, I'll be interested to, first and foremost, great to talk with you, Lauren. See, We've known each other for a little while, and it's it's always good to talk ball with you. But um, looking at this Dolphins team sitting at 5-3 and three and – The selling points for buying at the trade deadline were easy. The Dolphins are five and zero in games that their starting quarterback has started and finished, and they they dealt with a block of of three games in which they endured multiple injuries at the quarterback position with with concussions with Tua Tonga Valoa and Teddy Bridgewater, and then Skylar Thompson with a throwing hand injury. So, a lot of adversity on that front. They played a game without Toron Armstead in there. They played a game without Xavier Howard in there. So. For them to be able to climb out of the trade to at the trade deadline and say, We're five and three. We feel like when we're healthy, we can compete against anybody. They have a head to head win against Buffalo. They have a head to head win against Baltimore, a couple prominent teams in the conference. Go out and send a first round pick and some change for Bradley Chubb. And I think that that's really the big storyline, especially against an athletic quarterback like Justin Fields, where Jalen Phillips, the second-year pass rusher, has been a phenomenal player for the Dolphins throughout the course of this season, but it hasn't really manifested itself in the way of sacks just yet because the complementary rush with the rest of the front hasn't really been there, and they've been prompted to to blitz quite a bit. They're in the top six in the NFL in blitz frequency, and yet their finishes with sacks is in the bottom eight in the NFL, And, and a lot of that is because they're playing zone coverage, As compared to traditionally being a main coverage defense, they've had a bunch of injuries at corner. So the answer and the resolution is to go out and get a, a player, in Bradley Chubb, who's top 10 in pressures. He's one of the top five in ESPN's pass rush win rate. He defeats blocks in under two and a half seconds amongst the quickest of pass rushers in the NFL. All of that thought process being, let's get two guys so we can more effectively rush with four guys that are height, weight, speed, athletic freaks. And then be able to play consistently with seven in coverage and not have to blitz at such a high frequency and allow us to flood throwing windows in zone coverage more. And seeing how quickly Bradley Chubb gets assimilated into this defense, in my mind, is, is the number one question coming into the game, uh, especially against Justin Fields, who you know doesn't have the fastest trigger, but he has played really good football over the past month for the Chicago Bears utilizing his legs more you need that athleticism on the edge and you need to win those pass rushes early so that you don't allow Justin to be a playmaker extend plays and then be able to hit throws so uh that defensively for Miami and they're they're coming off a first half uh, against Detroit where they could not stop a nosebleed Detroit scored 27 in the first half they did not force a punt Detroit faked a punt in there but uh they, they had five possessions and five scores and some of that was uh, a catalyst of Javon Holland uh, moving around more as compared to playing the true free safety role in the defense. So defensively, a lot of questions coming into this game that uh, we're, we're seeing what this big marquee addition in Bradley Chubb is going to provide as far as answers.
0: Yeah, certainly the Bears offensive line has had some noticeable vulnerabilities in there. And particularly, it seemed like, you know, blitzing teams were able to disrupt Justin Fields' mobility a little bit more with how quick those pressures could come in. If, as long as you have enough sort of discipline in terms of pass rush lanes to keep him from, you know, finding that one escape route, because then if you do blitz and you don't have eyes on the quarterback on the back end, although, like you said, the Dolphins a little more zone than man in that regard, that sometimes you can slip out and have some freedom there. Certainly, I think Bears fans will be keeping a close eye on what type of role their new trade acquisition, Chase Claypool, can have. It's a quick turnaround. I think it's easier to get somebody like Bradley Chubb up to speed to just rush the passer. To some extent, rushing the passer is rushing the passer everywhere, whereas offensive playbook is going to be a challenge. But I think the bigger storyline for me with the Bears is not who they added at the trade deadline, but who they lost. You know, trying to replace Roquan Smith on that defense is not going to be something that AJ Klein by himself can do coming back in that trade. And yes, there's a big, there's a huge X's and O's loss there in terms of just the talent that you had at inside linebacker. But I'm also want to keep an eye on how the defense responds, you know, emotionally. How how they feel not having their leader in the middle of that defense out there. He wasn't the play caller in terms of the green dot on the helmet, but he is the guy that they turn to, especially after having just traded Robert Quinn the week before that there's a huge leadership void in there defensively. And I'm wondering, you know, when you see your general manager trade away your two best, probably your two best players, certainly your two best defensive players, if not two of your most talented players on the roster as a whole, it kind of says, Hey, the team isn't as focused on winning this season and winning each week. So if you're a player, you're looking around saying, well, if the team's not as dedicated to winning each game, you know, why am I going to put my body on the line each and every week and give my fullest effort? So I, I just wonder if there will be that sort of emotional letdown where we saw it last week against the Dallas Cowboys, the bears gave up 49 points, well 42 on the defense. Cause seven was a fumble return touchdown, but still far, far too easy against a very good offense. And now they have another really good offense coming into town with two of the best wide receivers in football. It's not necessarily a great matchup for the bears in that regard. And, and I think Hill and Hill and Waddle in particular are really going to test this team. And, and will they be able to band together and say, you know what guys, we can, we can do this. We can keep pushing through or Will they too easily kind of get pushed over like we saw last week against the Dallas Cowboys? I tend to, I tend to think it's not necessarily going to be pretty, but it shouldn't be in theory forty nine points bad two weeks in a row. But I, I think we'll. I don't want to get too ahead of ourselves here, but I think it's going to lead to some bigger scoring from this Miami Dolphins offense. I want to get into some of the key matchups that are going to decide this game for both sides that play into some of these big storylines that that we've gotten into here. First, But before we do, I want to tell you about our friends at Blue Nile, whether you're looking to pop the question or have a milestone to celebrate or you just want to let your love sparkle. Blue Nile can help you make your celebrations even more memorable because Blue Nile is the original online jeweler and they offer the largest selection of independently graded diamonds and pieces priced significantly below traditional retailers. They have jewelry experts on hand 24-7 to help you find the perfect piece for any budget, and you can shop stress-free with Blue Nile's 100% satisfaction guarantee. All Blue Nile orders are insured and shipped for free in discreet packaging, so it's not going to give away what's inside if you try to pull that special surprise. Make your moment sparkle with Blue Nile. Go to bluenile.com and use our promo code LOCKEDON to save $50 on your purchase of $500 or more. That's B-L-U-E-N-I-L-E.com promo code locked on to save $50 on your purchase of $500 or more. bluenile.com code locked on. Kyle, when you look at the matchups between these two teams, I think you can you can pretty easily see, you know, the the big-time marquee players in the Dolphins and say, yeah, well, the Bears the Bears are going to need to match up with Tyreek Hill and, and Jalen Waddle, but when, when you look across this group, what what positions stand out as where the Dolphins need to make sure they win their advantages?
1: Yeah, I I I look at the Bears' With Chase Claypool being added into the mix, and uh, like you said, we'll, we'll see how quickly they can get him assimilated, even if it's just a, a smaller selection of menu of the plays and personnel groupings. But then Darnell Mooney and uh, Cole Komet and the backs out of the backfield. And and the passing game in general, the big question for Miami is well, you lost Trill Williams in the preseason. Then you, you signed uh, another cornerback. And he was here for four days before he went on IR. And then Byron Jones, who's an $18 million a year player, was supposed to be ready for the start of the season. And he's on PUP. And Nick Needham went down with an Achilles injury two weeks ago, and he's out for the year. So just making sure you find the right balance of personnel usage. And Miami elected to healthy scratch a veteran safety in Eric Rowe uh, this past week uh, against Detroit after losing Brandon Jones they're starting strong safety for the year with an ACL injury so that was very surprising and, and Noah Igbenogany, one of the heroes of the Pittsburgh Monday night or Sunday night football game he played less than 20 snaps defensively the following week against Detroit because they had a UDFA and Cater who came back Keon Crossen who's largely a special teams guy uh, came back and they got more run than than Igbenogany did so i, I look at the physicality of a Chase Claypool, the speed of a Darnell Mooney, some of the other size matchups, a tight end who was once upon a time a second-round selection in Cole Komet. I know he hasn't necessarily lived up to those expectations, but still the physical profile of him, and then these backs out of the backfield between Montgomery and Khalil Herbert, who's playing at a really good level for Chicago. Uh, just It's going to put stress on the safeties and the linebackers. So I think you're going to have to find matchups that you like from a – perimeter perspective in the corners to feel like, Hey, we got the right athletic profiles to go with the physicality of Claypool or the speed of Mooney. Uh, And and then from there, it's those safeties in middle of the field players. Are we going to play Javon Holland low towards the line of scrimmage again to win some of those matchups at the expense of uh, having him at free safety and then having a UDFA and Verone McKinley uh, as a rookie be your starting free safety. I don't know. Uh, You could really see the loss in communication that they had. So that for me is the big question mark. When I look at Chicago's offense is how do you play the matchups game? Because I think, I think Miami should feel good about their advantages on the, in the trenches. It's more about how the rest of the pieces from Chicago's offense versus your defense match to make you feel like you can get your best combination of personnel out on the field.
0: I, I agree. Miami should feel like they have the advantage in the trenches and yet I'm still curious how the running game matchup goes because the Dolphins have mm-hmm. been very good in that regard this season. But, you know, I look at the teams that have had success running on them and two of them have been teamed with particularly mobile quarterbacks in like Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen, who both got their quarterback running game going. And the last couple of weeks, the Bears have made that a real focal point of this offensive design quarterback runs where Justin Fields is the ball carrier and is in some plays not even an option. It's just direct snap to him and he's running like there's there's no there's no read there's no there's no other player who could carry the ball it's just going to be fields with that ball and on top of that then his ability to scramble and i i know the the bears offensive line definitely is a stronger run-blocking group than a pass-blocking group. And I'm much more concerned about them in terms of pass protection versus guys like Chubb and Phillips, like you said. But whether he's able to get get some things rolling on the ground game that way, that's how the Bears want to move their offense first and foremost when they can. But if, if the Dolphins' offense on the other side is getting too far ahead on the scoreboard, then the running game becomes much, much less of a factor for the Bears, and they have to open it up and try and attack in the passing game like you talked about.
1: Yeah, I think that from, a, from that kind of game-within-the-game perspective, I think that's the motivating factor to have Javon Holland not be the free safety and be the guy who is down on the second level. He, he took uh, 33% of his snaps that he's taken on the second level as like a sub-backer this entire season he collected last week against Detroit. He took 20% of the snaps that he's taken in the slot on the season last week against Detroit, and that's just the one of the eight-game sample size that the Dolphins have played, so he was really prominent on the second level of the defense and much closer to the line of scrimmage against Detroit, and as I think about the quarterback run element and how good of a tackler Javon Holland is, if they make the decision to play him low, I have to imagine that's a large piece of it so that you feel like you have somebody with the speed to be able to scrape and flow and potentially chase down Justin Fields as he's working horizontally and, and the tackling prowess to, to be a guy in, and Holland's quite a striker, you feel like can can get him down with some clean shots uh, in the open field because the the linebackers that has not been a strength for the Dolphins is open field tackling. So uh, how they choose to try to combat that quarterback run game absolutely, I, I think is is going to be one of the critical matchups in deciding what way the game ends up going in terms of, of Hill and waddle being just so good. Like, is there, is there anything
0: a team can do? Is there any weakness that you see in that? I mean, I know Tua doesn't have the cannon type of arm, but still has had no problems putting deep balls Mm -hmm. up there for them downfield. So like, I mean, but you can't just play over top though. I mean, is there, is there anything a team can do that you see as like,
1: Hey, if you want to try and slow them down, this is the thing that's worked the best, I guess. Yeah, for for the the deeper developing routes, the one thing that teams have had success in doing is when when two is able to throw the deeper routes on time, like the 48-yard throw to Jalen Waddle that split the safeties against Buffalo to put him in position to to, to score the game when he touched down, he can largely do it. But when he has to get off his spot or slide and reset his feet or take an extra hitch, and he's late on those deeper developing routes, that's when that ball really hangs up in the air, and you notice how the receivers then have to adjust and come back to the ball. So I think flashing color across to his face early is the best way to get him out of rhythm and sync, and then when they are looking to attack down the field, that, in my opinion, gives you the best chance to take advantage and attack the football when it's in the air, because it's no longer about the speed running by you. It's did the speed create enough space before the ball was thrown that prevents you from getting back into the hip pocket of these two guys. But when their quick game and their rhythm stuff and they're running their crossers across the middle of the field, uh, they they have eight, the last two teams that they have played since Tua came back from the concussion alive over the middle of the field. And, and that's where I think Roquan Smith and his absence is going to be a big, factor for Chicago to have the answers in coverage, um, whether that is Nicholas Moreau or Sterling Weatherford, or Jack Sanborn as, as, uh, got rookies, but that's a lot of pressure to put on those guys. And, and we'll see how acclimated AJ Klein gets as a new addition, as a part of that trade with Baltimore. Um, but they will certainly look to throw a lot of 10- to 19-yard passes in the middle of the field. They will RPO you and play action you, try and get those linebackers to suck up. So if I'm Chicago, I might try to stress this week, hold your water. If they want to run the ball, let them run the ball and let them take their chances. But don't fly up in there to fit the run and vacate these large throwing windows that's going to give this speed behind you a chance to have Tua to low really accentuate where he wins, which is anticipation and rhythm and accuracy in the short and intermediate areas of the field. So I think that's the big thing for Chicago. Is whoever's playing on the second level, you guys got to be patient. Let them force you to fit the run. Don't be eager to fit the run like you would against a traditional team running the ball. And good thing the Bears pass
0: rush ranks in the bottom of the league in pressure percentage so they can get those jerseys in front of Tua Tanga and disrupt that. <laughs> and you traded away Robert Quinn. Is there some real some real challenges are going to be coming forth in those trench matchups in both sides as well? And I think that can that that sets the stage a little bit for where we probably think this game is going to go.
1: Well, Lauren, just real quick before we get into predictions for the game, I'd love to hear your thoughts on the Chicago secondary because I look at the talent that's acclimated here, and Jalen Johnson is a second-round pick from a few years back, and Brisker's been a very productive player for the Bears as, as one of their early choices this year. Uh, Eddie Jackson, once upon a time, was an All-Pro. I know he's regressed a little bit from those expectations over recent years. Just curious how you feel athletically and in that secondary Chicago Whether it is zone or man coverage, you know, how do you anticipate they'll try and attack versus what they normally do?
0: Yeah. So, like, uh, the secondary has definitely been the strength of this Bears defense, but that doesn't mean I think they're going to be. You know well prepared to, to stop Tyreek Hill and, and Jalen Waddell as a wide receiver duo. You know, Eddie Eddie Jackson is leading the league of the interceptions, I think, now with, with four or five or tied with that lead and seems to be really back to his aggressive, comfortable form. I think they simplified the reads a little bit more defensively. They're not asking to do as much like pattern matching, you know, man and zone match concepts on the back end that they could just play more traditional types of st- spot drop zones overall and it lets Eddie Jackson not to think as much and just read and react to the ball that I think is coming together nicely. I, I, the Bears haven't been too inclined to you know drastically change up what they want to do on the back end coverage wise based on what opponents are going to do. Like they'll they'll sit there and say, like, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna sit back in our zones and we're gonna put two deep safeties as much as we can and you know occasionally rotate brisker down. But I don't. I don't think they're gonna. I don't think they're gonna be too inclined to you know match these guys up in too much one-on-one man coverage, unless they're putting a too deep shell over the top. But other than that, you know, I think they'll play a lot of quarters. They'll sit back in sub six and just kind of say, keep them in front of you as best you can. Don't let them blow by you. Limit the explosive plays and, and let them throw underneath if they want to and make them nickel and dime you down the field because that's. I mean, you don't want to just give Tyree Kill the ball in space either, but at least make him earn it after the catch rather than getting it too easily before the catch.
1: BetOnline.net is your number one source for betting football and for the start of the upcoming basketball season, which is now underway. You can find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news podcasts, in-depth analysis on every game. As always, BetOnline remains your continued source for all your sports wagering information with live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport that's out there. It's the fastest and easiest way to check in on all of your favorite events, including MMA, boxing, and golf, in addition to football and basketball. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts. So, Lauren, uh, we're at that juncture in the show, these crossover Thursdays, which are always fun. We do them every Thursday here on the Locked On Network with the the matchups that are coming. And uh, we got to talk about predictions and expectations for this game. Chicago at home. So I'll let you choose. Do you want to go first (laughs) or do you want to go second? I have a
0: feeling we're going to have generally similar expectations for this, but- since 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 I'm already talking, I'll I'll go first here because I'm curious to see how it compares cool. to you. So, in a, two weeks ago, I didn't think the Bears would beat the New England Patriots, and and they they pretty well surprised them and and handled that game, almost dominated them throughout that game. And then coming into Dallas last week, the Bears were again nine point underdogs, and I thought, no, the Bears aren't going to beat the Cowboys, but I think they should be able to cover nine points given how well they played against the Cowboys or how how well they played against the Patriots. And of course, they get absolutely smoked in that matchup. So now I'm. I, I'm I'm torn because I I'm not confident in the Bears defense to slow down the Dolphins, but I am a lot more confident in the Bears offense being able to keep up with the Dolphins. Because I mean, Miami's put up a ton of yards, but they haven't always finished those drives in the end zone. They mm-hmm. haven't been as high scoring as you would expect for for how good they've they've shown to be on offense. I think large part due to the lack of the quarterback or the quarterback injuries that they've had in that process. But given that it's a healthy Tuatonga Valoia, I'm certainly expecting a Dolphins win. No no question about that. But in terms of the deficit, you know. Forty-nine points was certainly ugly last week, and it shouldn't. The Bears' defense, you know, they, they lose Roquan. It should be worse, but it's hard to give up forty-nine points in back-to-back weeks. So, I, if I have to come with a number on it, I'm 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 thinking thirty-five twenty-seven. The Bears get three touchdowns and a couple of field goals in there. The Dolphins get their five touchdowns and feel pretty good about how things are rolling. And and maybe you know it gets to be thirty-five. 35- 14 or 35, 17. And it's, it's the bears getting an extra seven to 10 points in the fourth quarter to make that final score a little bit closer and maybe a sneaky backdoor cover in the result.
1: I, um, I've been trying to watch this line throughout the course of the week. And it seems to have the, the public money certainly seems to be on Miami versus, I believe it started at Miami minus three and a half. Uh, I, I think Miami will cover that. I think they will cover the, the current spread that I see is Five. But I don't think it'll be much more than that. I think this will be a largely um, competitive game. I think Chicago can get some chunk gains going on the ground. Um, uh, Miami has been a bend but don't break defense for a large majority of the season. Athletic quarterbacks have historically been a problem for the Dolphins as far as containing them and limiting big plays. You mentioned Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson. You know, Lamar Jackson had a 70 plus yard touchdown romp when they played in week three or, or week two. So, um, I'll I'll put this one at Miami thirty one Chicago twenty three. Uh, I largely agree with you that that you know it, both of these teams are probably going to move the ball a little bit. I think Miami with their elite players on the roster will will probably have the difference in that regard. Uh, but I, I don't think either team is going to be immune from from missteps or mistakes or having to settle for kicks instead of touchdowns. Um, and, and I think we're, we're going to be in store for an entertaining game, but one that uh, Miami ultimately comes out on top with. And and uh, hopefully the, the Bears can use this opportunity to you know, stack some momentum together and and keep what has been a, a pleasantly competitive season on track, you know, in, in the midst of selling. I, I have nothing but respect for all the young guys that the Bears are playing. And uh, some of these guys are emerging players. And Tevin Jenkins was kind of on the fence. As he to play as he could get traded and, it looks like he's making a pretty positive difference out there for Chicago. So I I hope that that uh, the Bears keep that momentum going and and have another performance that their fans can be proud of on, on Sunday in this matchup
0: see, it's such an interesting matchup between these two teams because it's a lot of like strengths versus strengths and weaknesses versus weakness where it's like mm-hmm. you know, the Dolphins strength has been stopping the run and the Bears are a run first or want to be a run first offense and that's been their bread and butter and the Dolphins have had, like you said, the injuries and some of the struggles in the secondary and so you're worried about chunk plays there, but the Bears up until the last couple of weeks have not been able to consistently throw the ball downfield and you know, the Bears pass rush needs to get in, the, get in the Dolphins face a little bit here, but it hasn't been able to do so this season and their strength has been in the secondary where if of course, the Dolphins at wide receiver have two of the best I- in football. So it, I, I think that's where it comes down to is like you mentioned, there is a significant talent gap in between these two teams that just because, you know, the Bears strength versus the Dolphins strength, the Dolphins might have more strength in their strength than the Bears have in their own strength, if that makes sense. And the Bears weaknesses might be larger weaknesses than the weaker areas of the Dolphins, just because of where these two teams are in their respective team building process, where right. one team goes more or less all in on the trade deadline, adding players. And the other team does add, but more so subtracts and, and acquires and accumulates draft
1: picks for the upcoming season because, you know, they're they're kind of looking ahead to free agency in the NFL draft. One thing that could keep this game a little bit more competitive that I don't think we should sleep on is the Dolphins have largely been an undisciplined team from a penalty standpoint. They had a bunch of penalties declined last week against Detroit. Uh, They really struggled with it against Minnesota. They seemed to correct it against Pittsburgh, and then came back out this following week. A bunch of unforced errors, procedural stuff, pre-snap offensively with illegal shifts, uh, lining up in the neutral zone multiple times defensively. So this Chicago team is not the kind of team that you want to give those extra opportunities too and if we get ourselves a really competitive game i i think self-inflicted wounds from miami could be a part of the recipe that that puts chicago in position to really play a tough 60 minutes which i expect that they will do we certainly hope you guys enjoy the game on sunday between the bears and the dolphins at soldier field it's a one o'clock eastern standard kickoff make sure you subscribe to Locked On Bears for all of your needed Bears news, subjects, discussions, Locked On Dolphins, the same. And check out all the podcasts that we have here on the Locked On Network. It's your team every day. We don't just say it, we live it. Enjoy the game on Sunday. Thanks for joining us on this Crossover Thursday. And we'll talk with you all again soon.